it takes Google a lot longer to kind of index and figure out what that stuff is. But if you give them that structured data, they'll add you the pack above the ads, above the organic search results, because it creates a better user experience for them. This is Digital Marketing. Hey everyone, this is Mark DeGrasse, the president of Digital Marketer, and this is the podcast that keeps you up to date on everything you need to know when it comes to digital marketing, from the platforms you'd be focused on to the clients, tactics, and tools that are working today. Today, our guest is Amara Moregi, the CEO of Amara Reps. She has a passion for helping small businesses hit their first million and has done so over a dozen times from scratch, which is fantastic. And she does this through marketing operations and automations, which every business needs to be focusing on today. Today, we're actually talking about uh, SEO and how the old version of SEO worked and how you're going to have to start uh, kind of adjusting your techniques when it comes to modern SEO. So welcome, Amara. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on again. I, you know, I was actually thinking about the uh, presentation you gave at the M3 Modern Marketing Mastermind event that we had last week. And I was like, man, that, that was such a simple way to explain the difference between how SEO used to be and how it is today. And, and honestly, I think the evolution is uh, long overdue <laughs> because the old ways, not very good. Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting because so I see a lot of, we have a lot of clients. And so we see a lot of organic traffic declining. What's going on? Right. And so over the last three years, I've definitely taken a, a hard look at our optimization practices and Google's algorithm changes and the things that they're wanting to see from publishers, from companies, from local businesses and things like that. And it all started to click one day. I was like, oh, I get what they're trying to do. In fact, I want to talk a little bit about something that I've been thinking about since I did my presentation at M3. Um, I think SEO is such a not sexy topic. And people hate it because it's so it's such a moving target, it seems. Like you can do all the right things and still not rank very well. Right. And you know, our search the surgeons kind of have a mind of their own. However, I feel like right now, today, with the state of SEO, if we don't do some of these things that I'm gonna talk about today, it's like making someone take the stairs to get to the twentieth floor of a building instead of building a perfectly good elevator. Oh, that's a that's a great comparison. Cause I think well, I mean I mean, we didn't have a choice, though. I, I, you know, I always like to preface it with that, and that it's actually why I think SEO is so boring. Is we have like this strict rule book that we don't quite understand. You know, it's like one of those documents they submit to Congress. It's like ten thousand pages. Or, oh, just do these ten thousand things, and, and everything's gonna be great. And maybe <laughs> it'll work out. <laughs> maybe, right? uh, maybe, maybe we're not gonna tell you if it's gonna work perfectly. Yeah, we might change it next week. So, <laughs> well, and that's the thing. You know, traditional SEO, we had to you know, bow down to our, you know, the the search engine overlords, right? We didn't really have a choice. We had to, we had to help the search engine along. It didn't understand words and things like it does now. And so you had to kind of juggle between writing for humans and writing for depth and quality versus writing for the search engine to understand how to categorize your content so that you could actually rank. So you ended up with competitive repetitive content that kind of said the same thing over and over again about 10 different ways <laughs> just so that the search engine is like okay cool i got it i get it i understand how it all works now right because you know algorithms understand numbers they understand code they understand you know math and things that are more finite language is very very difficult even among humans right we misinterpret people each other all the time 
especially in the written form. And so in, when we're talking to each other, it's a little bit easier because we have body language, we have visual cues, we have intonation, we have these things. However, when you're writing, you have words that have three, four, and five different meanings, right? You have all kinds of context. You have sarcasm. You have idioms. You have slang, metaphors, all sorts of different things, right? You have Southerners. You can't understand what the heck they say. I'm just joking. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm in joking. Texas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, no, no, it's so true, though, because I think the, you know, it, it got super complicated. And then on top of that, you know, language is complicated, that the actual algorithms are complicated. But then you also have a group of people that like to game the system. And so, you know, I think the algorithms have tried to incorporate all these aspects to get rid of spammers. You know, when it started, we had like the keyword stacking where somebody would just, you know, make the font white and then they put, a, you know, 10,000 keywords at the bottom. And so you wouldn't see them, but the algorithm would and it would screw it up. So I, I kind of understand how it got to be the way it is now where it's so dumb. <laughs> but on top of that, we got to fix it. So you know, let's just start by talking about like what was, uh, you know, the the key aspects that used to drive SEO. You know, just to say, here's here's how you used to do it prior, right? Just like you were talking about those gray hat, black hat uh, tactics where you had to, you know, uh, keyword stuff and hide keywords and cloaking and all that stuff. It was very much keyword focused because we had to really help the search engines figure out what the heck we were even talking about and how it's all related, right? Uh, now, Google really relies on the knowledge graph and intent and entities uh, to be able to help contextualize and better understand how things are related. What's great about that, even if you don't know what I'm talking about, go and Google what I just said, because I don't know like we have time to talk about it all in this podcast episode. However, what that means is you don't have to say the same word 15 different ways. You can actually write great content that has depth and expertise. That E-E-A-T, that those standards that Google is now really pushing hard. It's like, hey guys, you don't have to do this anymore. We kind of understand words better now. So write for depth, write, be authoritative, write your write about your experiences, write about your uh, your expertise in depth and thoroughly because you don't have to say the same things over and over anymore. We get it now. Cool, thanks for helping us out. We're ready to move on now, right? Uh, it's like when your parents refuse to acknowledge that you've grown up <laughs> a little bit. I think it's time to recognize that SEO is very different now. So again, we don't need to do a lot of repetition. We don't need to do a lot of keyword stuffing. We can focus on expertise and depth. That, that's fantastic. And then we have link building, right? Link building is very much a practice in SEO. And Google's like, we don't like you to, you know, create these huge directories that are super spammy that have no context. It's just count of links. It doesn't really help anything. They want natural link attraction. They want social media shares. They want people, we, I talked about dark social in another presentation I did from three while back. And people are sharing content in communities and in basic messenger and different places which you cannot measure, right? So they want to see people sharing your content because that means it's authoritative enough if, if people are willing to share or they're trusting it or for whatever reason. Um, and then getting links from high authority sources, right? So natural link attraction. So the guest blogging, the guest podcasting, all the stuff that you're doing to co-market with uh, partners or in industries that matter or, or work or coexist or where you have the same audience, very, very important. Still do that. But, you know, buying links off of Fiverr, not so much. So, well, that's, that's actually really good info though, because I think a lot of people and the backlinking, I mean, I, I knew entire organizations that were set up with the, like, they had all their satellite websites and all of them pointed back to the one website. And it was, it was just so 
such a waste of space. So I think so. It's, it's good to know that they that still works, but it's only going to work if you do it legitimately. Yes, I, you definitely got to provide value for sure. Like the Yelps of the world work because there's reviews, there's images, all those things, right? Google My Business definitely works. Definitely have that set up. So those things work. However, the farms where it's like you know every single dentist and you know whatever, and it's just like that a list of a million companies that aren't even dentists. Well, that was it. Was funny is that used to be my key technique back in the the two thousands when I was like, oh, I'll just you know go submit to five hundred free directories like that. That was that was a thing, and so now it's good to know that's gone. Yeah, I mean, some directories are good, but some of them are just spammy, gross, not good. Uh, next, we have let's actually talk about search and how that's changed. And you probably noticed these things, but haven't really paid attention to it, or haven't really thought of how that impacts your strategies and the things that you're you're doing or need to do so when you i'd say about 10 maybe even 15 years ago i want to go 15 years ago because i think you know google's been creeping up all these newer better user experience type search experiences for at least a decade now we just really haven't paid much attention to it and thought of it uh, more in depth so today i'm going to challenge you all to do that uh search engine uh, results pages or serps or serps whatever you want to call them search engine results pages when you type something in it spits out a bunch of stuff and says hey Here's the top 10 things that we think match your search. Did we get it right? Yes, no, maybe so. It was all just this on um, white background. You had your blue hyperlink at the top, which was your title tag, which went to your website or the page that was ranking. And then it had your uh, your meta description. And then eventually Google got in searching, got a little more sophisticated. Like, well, we're going to add a couple more links. If you had really good site structure, they'd add a few more links that maybe were helpful, like your contact page, your services page, your about page, and things of that nature. And that was it. You really were just optimizing for one super basic search experience. And then things like locations started to creep up, where if you were looking for a gas station uh, and you're in your car, you didn't actually have to click on Chevron's website. Who goes to Chevron's website? No one goes to Chevron's website. I haven't been to Chevron's website. Unless you're an investor looking for a job, I don't know that you've gone to Chevron's website. How's this gas so, made? <laughs> right, it's gasoline. However, when you're on the road and need to get to the gas station, Google has improved the user experience so that you don't have to go to their website, look at their store locator, and see if you can find a gas station near you. Because maybe it's Chevron, Shell, whatever. There's all kinds of different gas stations. You want to compare prices. So Google's actually turned the search results page into a much better user experience. And I don't think a lot of us marketers are actually optimizing for that improved user experience. Could you imagine being on the road and having to find a gas station and you have to go to every single gas station's website and look because on the maps so you can see price you can see how far away it is if it's right off of the freeway on your route you can even see you know if you're on a side street if it's easier to go um through a neighborhood and on a side street based on how you're traveling to your location these experiences have gotten better and better and better for people and so there's this concept of the um position zero and if you haven't heard of it google it uh, position zero and it's gonna cause your traffic to go down just a little bit but that's totally okay it's totally fine because the traffic that you do get will be higher intent it will be you know there to look for something very specific uh, if you can help somebody without them having to come to your website that means google's giving you authority so that's a good thing right so we can talk a little bit about what some other areas of the user experience that Google's optimizing for, like recipes and videos and even social. You'll see Twitter feeds on mobile sometimes when you're searching. 
um, because there's conversations. It's a trending topic. There's conversations around some of the things that you might be searching. Like maybe if it's like news, like somebody died, somebody famous died, or you know, a company's going under, or something of that nature. You'll sometimes see Twitter feed because they can update information a lot faster than Google could crawl blogs and news stations and things like that, right? Yeah, it's actually just referencing existing indexes, so it makes it a thousand times easier, which actually is a huge opportunity for the indexes because now you are an authority just because you have so much content, which will hopefully encourage other people to make their own databases and become the relevant uh, you know, authority within whatever field you want. I hate to interrupt our podcast, but I have an announcement about Digital Marketers Content Certification. Content without a content marketing strategy is an expensive mistake, but it's one that most businesses are making. When it comes to content marketing, all content should be created with a clear purpose to move a customer or potential customer along the customer value journey. That's why you need Digital Marketers Content Mastery Certification. You'll learn how to leverage a complete content system to strategize, create, and distribute content that just plain works. When you become a certified content marketing strategist, you'll master the craft of systematically creating and promoting content that drives noticeable revenue for any business, and you'll get a badge to prove it. Learn more right now at digitalmarketer.com slash content cert. I love how you, you talked about the, uh, the fact that your traffic might go down, but that's going to be okay because it's going to be better traffic because I think that's that's going to be definitely a shift for people, especially marketers, because everybody say, oh, the number one down, down's never good. <laughs> and for those of you that are agency owners, because I know there's those of us that do SEO for their companies, tra- reduce, reduction in traffic isn't always a bad thing. If you're looking at the keywords you've lost, it's usually because Google miscontextualized, gave you credit for something you shouldn't have gotten credit for in the first place, right? And so, like, I have a client that works with accountants, for example, and you can't, we lost keywords for accountant near me. We don't have a directory for people. We're in education. They're an education company, right? So it's like, of course, we're going to lose that. But we want it all day long because we were so strong, you know, in the accounting topics. However, like we, we're not relevant for that. So losing traffic for that and losing relevance and losing impressions because like totally fine. Now, if we decided to build a directory, that's a different story. So, you know, recapture that traffic, but does it really benefit the business? Because we're not really there to serve people in that way. We don't necessarily have that. They don't necessarily have that type of offering. So. And, and the neat part of that is that now you don't have to worry about trying to get all this traffic from these keywords that are not relevant. Because I think a lot of times we're spending all our time like, oh, well, I got the list of the 50 keywords I should be ranking on based on whatever you're trying to do versus just focusing on the ones that you know is going to get a result. So instead of going for the volume, you're going for the quality. And that's where I think optimizing for Google or whatever search engine search experience, the the improved UX, I think that that is a really good indicator of intent, right? So in our conversation at M3, I talked about schema and structured data, right? And it's basically vocabulary that all the search engines came together and said, okay, we need to help. We need to tell developers to help us better understand what's on their pages. Right. And so they all came together and go to schema.org. And that's the standard that they all agreed on. So that if you structure your data a certain way, they'll better understand it so they know how to contextualize it. And you'll start to see more featured snippets and rich snippets pop up like location pages, like recipes. Recipes have their own look and feel. Events have their own pack. They have their own look and feel. Courses have their own pack. They have their own look and feel. 
if you feed the information in a, in a format that is structured based on the schema standards, you will be reaching people that have higher intent because Google says, wow, anyone searching for a course on this, we're going to give them a list of just courses that are available they can buy versus a list of organic options that'll be right underneath it um, that they have to click into, see what it's about, or an event. We want to show people events that are happening within a time frame that someone's asking for that I'm going to click through the site, see if their event's still on. You know what I mean? It takes Google a lot longer to kind of index and figure out what that stuff is. But if you give them that structured data, they'll add to the pack above the ads, above the organic search results, because it creates a better user experience for them. Oh, yeah. Well, it's basically turning Google into its own website, where it's like, okay, now instead of just a search engine, here's 300 million dumb results. Like, here's probably the thing you wanted, and it's formatted how you want it because these companies took the time to put in that effort. And just so everybody knows, you might have your own schema that you like to do things, and that's fine, but why not just go with the the biggest company in the world <laughs> that has, here's how you need to specify the information, and just incorporate, because I've never... Yo, I, I'm a big fan of databases, so I'm always looking at how they structure their, you know, parameters and their fields. And you'll be like, why would you name that that? That is way too similar to that one over there. And now I'm confused. And now I'm going to leave. So I, it's a good thing, this this kind of schema guideline. Yeah. And it's 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 a little bit different than how you put the information on your website. Like when I, I gave an example of recipes, you know, they have some ISO 8610 or something like that format for communicating time that's so you have to put it in that format so the search engine understands like oh okay this is how we communicate preparation time and we want to display that on the search engine so people know okay here's a bunch of recipes do you want one that takes forever to do that's super in-depth and like gourmet or do you want something quick and easy a 10 minute meal or a 10 minute thing or something that doesn't take a whole hour something under an hour so one searches like chocolate chip cookie that takes less than an hour chocolate chip cookie recipe that takes less than an hour if you're recipe is that then it'll pop up so it's really cool but you just have to take the extra effort and it's really it's not very clear and it's super confusing so i use a um, plugin called rank math they make understanding schema a lot better because they have the templates the most common templates there that their list of templates is not exhausted by any means what's great about that is if you start to see other featured snippets or rich rich results or what have you in google you can click on the page that pops up for your competitor or whatever you're saying for like, huh, I wonder how they got that, how they won that shelf space, if you will. Click on it and you can drop the link in and it'll show you what the schema is. Because let's let's be honest, they're going to start rolling out more and more featured snippets and rich results and things like that that are going to make the user experience even better based on how people are searching and what people are looking for. Because what they don't want is people clicking in and out of websites over and over and over, trying to find what they're looking for. They want people to get it right the first time because otherwise they're going to their communities to find answers. And I think that they've noticed that. Like, they're some of the smartest people in the world working for these search engines. So I think they've noticed that people aren't able to find what they need. So they're going to, that's where the dark social thing comes from, right? People are asking, who do you use for a lender? Who do you use for this and that? Well, also, I think it's made their, their ads less effective because as soon as you say, okay, I just did three searches. I'm not finding what I need. Now I'm going to go to TikTok and see if I can just find a short form video that covers the topic because I don't want to click on all these things. But on, on top of that, it's a huge operational lift for Google to deliver 300 million results. You know, if you think of it that way, like, 
that's still data and it's still being loaded and it's still being processed. So I don't know how many how much processing power you need to do that for, you know, five billion users, but it has to be significant. So this this makes so much sense for both them and for the user experience, like you're saying. Well, and the other benefit to all of this, I think I'm gonna say the word that everybody's probably waiting for me to say, the word AI. AI. Oh, that's gonna be my question. <laughs> <laughs> so what's great about it is AI learning language models are using the same structured data to inform context and to provide results to you all. So by actually leaning more into structured data, you're leaning into the future of search. Actually, it's not the future of search. It's now, right? It's not the future of search. This, this is happening now, right? Now, I just realized that a lot of people just don't know about it. Like schema's been around for years, right? But you know, I kind of been lackluster with it unless it was like super obvious what I should do. And I really just been leaning into it more because I've been seeing so many different results pop up in different ways on search pages. I'm like, man, Google's getting really in depth with this. And I'm like, okay, well, let me lean more into schema because even if there isn't a result for it now, there might be in the future. Like if you're a doctor, there's there's like a whole set of schema just for physicians. Like your medical, like you can put your uh, your your practice name. Like there's all kinds of different things that you could add to your site that help Google understand like, okay, you're a doctor, this is your specialty. So anytime you pop up, your entity pops up on another site, they understand that you're, it's tied to the things that you talk about and who you are and what you do. So when you write articles as an author or whatever, it's it can all come back and be connected to you, which is great because you're just basically adding to the knowledge graph. So you're basically telling Google, here's who I am. I'm a doctor. Here's what I practice. Here's you know, my clinic's information, if you're in a clinic or in multiple clinics or whatever the case may be. Doctors at movies have a huge amount of schema that you can add to your website and to your information. Lots of stuff. So Google's get, getting more in depth in different verticals as well. I, I love that. Well, and I think it's, uh, you know, because sometimes I'm like, why didn't they do that before? Like, why didn't they, you know, make the system better? Because it's been fairly stagnant for like a decade at least. And and I always tell people it's it's because of AI, because now I know that I could generate some custom content immediately as fast as I could do a search and I'll get exactly what I want. And I won't get any of the fluff and I won't get any of the advertising and I won't get it. I won't use a bunch of time. So I think it's I think it had to come about now because it just wasn't necessary before because it was our only choice. Yeah. And I do think that search is going to become I don't like the ChatGPTs and the bars of the world are going to be search. I don't think there's going to be a difference. I don't th I think I think they'll all kind of like adopt that that conversational. I think people ask bad questions in general. So <laughs> it's true. <laughs> like we all do. Like we don't we know what we're trying to accomplish. Like I think we understand symptoms, we don't understand diseases, right? And so when people when people put information into ChatGPT, Bard, even search, they're putting symptoms in. They're not understand unless they really understand their disease most people don't most people are just trying to understand their symptoms so they can figure out what their disease is or they're trying to treat their symptoms because they don't realize that there's a disease there and so i think with generative ai being so much more intertwined in search i do think that the search experience is going to very much mimic generative ai like asking follow-up questions so they can better understand context and where people are trying to go when they're searching for different things it's already doing that. If you have the Google search generative experience, it's already doing that. 
Yeah, well, it's so much better than it used to be. Just and I, I love when it has those fields where it's just like, here's the thing you want to know at the very top. Like it's it's exactly what you asked for. But I think a lot of times you're right. Like people don't know how to ask the questions, so it's a hundred percent necessary for the system to understand it. And like for me, you know, if it doesn't get it right, it's super annoying. Like I, I have the situation. My my car, I have a Tesla, and I. Sometimes my son's in the car, he's messing around with the screen, listening to what he wants, and I want to listen to my book on tape, which is on my phone. So I try to plug my Bluetooth headset into my uh, phone, but the phone's connected to the car. And so there's some special thing you can do to make sure it goes to the headphone, not the car. And you try to look up on Google, and of course, it just talks about connecting your phone to your car. And then it's like, and then I gave up. I did. I think I did like six searches, and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to figure it out. I'll just not listen to music, which is a terrible experience. <laughs> But I even tried ChatGPT. That's what I need to do next is go on ChatGPT. It's true. It's true because it's probably some in some sort of knowledge base with some obscure naming or obscure like instruction that's very brand heavy, like, you know, and, and not user. And that so part of why what I was trying to say in the beginning is this is all important because I don't think SEO is SEO anymore. Yeah, I think there's technical side of it. You know, I think there's a technical side of it. But I think parts of SEO need to be brought into this new way of thinking about it. And I'm kind of trying to develop some content around it, how to better explain it. But my goal around it is to make people understand the human impact of all of this. And so I think parts of SEO need to be brought into this realm called human experience optimization. Because if you think about it, if you go to a website, you know, Google started penalizing sites that took forever to load. Because think about it, if you're on, I was on a website in Austin and it was country slow. I'm in California, y'all. Make it fun of Texas. Because <laughs> y'all like fun of California every time I get it. Hey, I'm from <laughs> California, so it I get Texas it. Texas <laughs> slow. And I love Texas. I have family there, so whatever. But it is Texas slow. And so I, I kept leaving the website and I kept going down the search result until I could find one that loaded quickly. Right? Like, people just stop going to your site because it doesn't load fast enough. If they can't find what they're looking for, they leave. That's why I was saying it's like not giving people an elevator to get up 20 flights of stairs and making them take the stairs, especially when there's a lot of people trying to take the stairs at the same time. Some of the stuff, if you just don't do it, you're actually making the experience worse for our users and people using the web than if you just do it. And so, doing structured, you know, implementing structured data and schema into your websites, you know, making sure you have a Google Biometrics pro profile so you're not making someone have to go to your Chevron site and figure out what where your gas station is and things like that. Uh, making sure the user experience on your site's great, like GA4, you no longer have a bounce rate, you have an engagement session, engaged sessions. So if someone's not on your site for at least 20 seconds, it doesn't count as engaged session. That is a signal that your people went to the wrong place. They don't stay on your site for at least 20 seconds, 10 or 20, I think it's 10 or 20 seconds, I can't remember. Maybe 10, but, and I know you can adjust it um, as well uh, based on your own settings, which is really cool, but also dangerous. <laughs> but, you know, so those signals are very important to Google because they're important to people. And so I don't think we're optimizing for the search engine overlords anymore. I think we're optimizing for people more. So I think if we can look at it as human experience optimization, I think we're more inclined to do it. Oh, I, I love that. Well, I love the term too, human experience optimization, because it's, uh, you know, it's what we should have been doing the whole time. <laughs> and if if that worked, if all we had to do when the internet started was make good content, then I think the internet would be a completely different place today. But at least we're starting now. And hopefully within, you know, a few years will be every time you do a search, you'll find amazing content, which 
when the internet started, that would happen. You would find new amazing places constantly. And now it's like if you have a new app that maybe does something useful, you're like, yay, the internet works. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to uh, modern SEO and you know human experience optimization becoming what everybody does. Uh, and I know you help with that. So can't you tell us uh, where people can learn more about you and possibly doing this for them? Sure. I can hit our website, amarareps.com, A-M-A-R-A-R-E-P-S.com. We are rebranding, which I'm really excited about. What's coming the name? up soon with a new, new name. Um, can't, can't reveal that yet. <laughs> the new site will be up probably before the end of the year, which I'm really excited about. Um, but we're rebranding. We have a new name, new look, new feel that better explains like who we are, what we do, and how we are jumping into the future of marketing and things like SEO and branding and uh revenue operations, sales operations, marketing operations, so that companies can generate more revenue and function better. Fantastic. Well, I love your message. I love your approach. And I love your optimism for the new case and, you know, making SEO not boring, because I think we're all ready for that. And I think it's a huge opportunity. I'm a big content person. So I've always been, you know, SEO was always a consideration. But even even for the last 10 years, I always told people, I'm like, it matters. But how about you just make something good? And then we'll figure out if people want to see it or not. So I think it's all it all kind of converging into uh, fixing the internet, which is fantastic. And I'm very happy uh, that you're helping everybody out and they're helping uh, digital marketer because we appreciate you and all your speeches and mentoring. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. Well, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you again soon. And thank you so much for listening. Be sure to hit that follow button so you're going to notify when all of our new episodes release. Please share this with that friend who is clueless about digital marketing. And don't forget to visit digitalmarketer.com where you can access all of our courses, certifications, and training programs. Thanks again, everyone. And we'll see you next time. This is Digital Marketer. Get ready for the two easiest ways for you to generate product photos for your e-commerce store. I'm Lauren Petrullo, founder and CEO of Mongoose Media and Digital Marketer Academy faculty member. I've managed over 50,000 SKUs for over 100 different e-commerce sites, and I cannot tell you the importance of quality product photos. Not only are they important for your website, but they're great to be repurposed in your email marketing campaigns, your paid ad initiatives, and your organic social media content. It's imperative that you have great photos because great photos sell your products and start conversations with your consumers. There are two great solutions when seeking out quality product photos for your e-commerce site. One, UGC. We know that native user-generated content wins all day on social. When you can get your customers to share back their use of your products in their voice, in their personal applications, you will see dividends when that is repurposed in your paid ads and organic social feeds. Secondly, don't have customers or UGC yet? Not a problem. There are cost-effective solutions in which you can outsource that photography. This and so much more is covered in my modules in our e-commerce cert with Digital Marketer.